a few other announcements. Our senior adult luncheon is coming up at 11 a.m. at the Connie Hudson Senior Center. You can sign up at the uh, events table. That's this Thursday. We have our senior adult road trip from November 28th through December 1st. Uh, you can get more information from Brother Randy or you can get information at the events table. We also have a, a women's retreat on February 3rd and 4th uh, at, of 2023 in New Orleans. And uh, you can find more information about that also from uh, the events table, I think. Is that correct, Randy? Awesome. And then I wanted to share with you, we have a new community group that is starting on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. If you would like more information about this community group that's starting, um, you can get more information at the Grow table. That's my right, your left in the lobby. Love for you to get information. We've got several community groups that have started. Uh, I'm actually a part of one as well. And uh, so it's a wonderful time. If you are interested in being a part of a life group or a community group, please go to the Grow table after worship today, and they would love to share with you. Now, we have one more announcement, and uh, Miss Terry and David, if y'all would come on up here. Um, this Monday night, September 12th, that's tomorrow, from 6 to 7 p.m. is our grand Monday night kickoff. Uh-oh, I lost. Did you, can you hear me? There we go. Um, our grandparents' ministry uh, that Terry and David are a part of, they are members there, um, through this ministry, they are seeking to equip grandparents to be intentional Christian parents or Christian grandparents. And so I asked them to come up just to give a testimony real quick um, about the time that they have spent over the last few months in the grandparenting class. And uh, one of the things that we say is this phrase, intentional Christian grandparent. And David, share with us a little bit about what that means with intentional Christian grandparenting. Well, when we uh, get together as a group, we, we talk to our grandchildren as young adults and in situations that happen today, we involve Jesus, put Jesus in its place, and what would He do? And and asking them questions that give more than just a yes or no answer. Absolutely. Having them explain what their thoughts are. Absolutely, yeah. and and share just a little bit about how. So the conversations you're 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 helping them putting Jesus into that instead of just yes or no. Have you had any? Uh, response from the grandchildren? The, the more they learn about Jesus, the more they want to know. Absolutely. That's what I've learned the most. Amen. The, Amen. The, it's, they're like sponges. They That's really awesome. Are. They are. And Miss, Miss Terry, I was going to ask you, um, what are some of the things that you have learned through the presentation uh, at the grandparents? Well, um, I believe that God put David and I in the right spot at the right time because Tinley was seven when we started this. Mm -hmm. And one thing for me is to, I have to remember that Tinley is my grandchild. I'm not the parent. So Tinley was blessed with godly parents, and I am their support. So each week when I go to these, or each month when I go to these classes, I try and pick up little things to help the parents as well as my grandchild. Mm -hmm. And David and I are really blessed to have this because we only have one shot. We're only going to ever have one grandchild. Mm -hmm. So... We are trying to do the best we can with the one we've got. Amen. And would you encourage people to come I and be would, a part? I would. I oh, would. Yeah. I mean, we get so much out of oh, it. Yeah. We take notes, and we get to watch a video, and we have cookies. Absolutely. <laughs> See? Awesome. Jim and awesome. Janet Shore, very, very hospitable. Yes, yes. They were talking about the Shores and how incredible they are in doing this ministry. Thank you all for coming up and sharing that testimony. It's tomorrow night is the grandparents... 
And you know, it was interesting, you said that, um, that you've learned that you're the, par- the grandparent, not the parent, and I've been told that if you can have grandchildren first, you would do that. Um, but I don't think that's possible. But praise the Lord, and I would encourage everybody to go and be a part, because learning how to speak uh, just the, 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 the grandchildren today are hearing and seeing things totally different than when, when I was their age and even when you were their age. And so this is an opportunity of how to speak in a manner to be heard um, so that they can hear the gospel in and through your life experiences as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time of worship. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. And Father, I just thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you for your word. Father, today, as we proclaim your truth, we know that it will not return void. We can stand on that promise today. What a joy, what an honor to proclaim your truth. Now, Father, I am desperately dependent on you for you to speak in and through today. May I sit on the front row and just hear what you are speaking. But Lord, as we lift our voices of praise, I pray that we have a pure heart and clean hands that we may ascend the hill of the lord so father we love you and may we lift up these praises to you and glorify your name in all that is said and done it's in your name we pray the name above all names the name of jesus amen Amen. We're so blessed to have you today uh, worshiping with us. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out the welcome card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. You too. Um, we would love for you to sing with us. But before we do that, let's stand together. Why don't you say hello to the person next to you? And we worship the Ancient of Days, our King and our Lord. Let's sing together. Blessing and honor, glory and power. Exalted, O God, and your kingdom shall not pass away, O ancient of days. Amen. Let's give him blessing. Let's honor him with our words today, with our song. Blessing and honor. That has no end. Let's sing. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing to the ancient of days. For none can compare to your matchless world. Sing to the ancient of days. Every tongue, every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Worship, you will be 
exalted, O God, and your kingdom shall not pass away. Oh, engine of days, your kingdom shall reign. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing unto the ancient of days, for none can compare to your matchless work. Sing unto the ancient of days. Sing it again. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing unto the ancient of days, for none can compare. one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we, and you, for you who have done that, we trust him with everything in our lives, not just a part of it. In our life, what he has for us to do, but also in our death, we look forward to a day where we will see our Savior's face. But as we go on the journey, we don't rely on ourselves, we rely on him. Let's read church together, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, amen, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you believe that? We can trust him in life and in death. He is our hope, amen. Let's sing. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong. Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good. Amen. Do you believe it? God is good. Where is His grace and good is known? In our great Redeemer's love, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial. 
and a mercy that passes all understanding that takes our broken and sinful world and turns it on its head that we might live upside down for the gospel that we might know him more intimately grow in him daily 
and go in him to all the world to tell of the hope we found. He is stronger than anything this life could throw at us. He's also stronger than you. So living in your own pride or saying, oh, I got this. I'm not going to rely on him today. That's sin. He is strong enough to lead us to where we need to go, to give us a life of significance, not just a life of accumulation, right? Lean on him today. There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again, victorious. Faithfulness. Faithfulness.
Father, we pray that we would put you at the, the center stage on the throne of our life, that you would be Lord of all. Everything has been put under your authority, Lord. We pray that we would submit to that authority today. We thank you for the love that you showed to us on the cross. And the life that we live now, Lord, we, we live in total dependence on you. I pray that we would know that in season and out of season, you are working. Even when we can't see you. Even when we don't know which way you're going to move next. We pray that we would be pliable and moldable and, and usable for you. We would glorify you in every step. And know that you are the God of possible. And when we speak the name of Jesus, there is power to change hearts. Power to change lives. But it can only be you. It cannot be us. We pray that you would work in us today. We love you. We praise you. We give you this time of, of worship that we would go out and worship all week long. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting and your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority declaring blessings every promise he is faithful to keep i speak the name no grave could ever hold he is greater he is stronger he's the god of possible i pray for your healing that circumstances would change In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough will happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, come believe it. Come receive it. Let the power of His Spirit 
would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. I pray for revival, for restoration of faith. I pray that the dead would come to life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open to the book of Matthew as we have been here for a few months. Uh, We have just finished the Beatitudes, and we are going to continue forward at a little bit faster speed into the Sermon on the Mount. It has been a joy walking through for those eight weeks of the Beatitudes, seeing who we are in Christ, the character of those who believe. We've seen how Jesus brings these upside down, in some sense, words, because the culture says that, that it's this way, but Jesus comes and says, no, the kingdom of God is totally different. So after giving the sermon on the, or the Beatitudes, excuse me, Jesus then begins into what I call the very practical This message, I've been looking forward to Matthew 5, 13 through 16 for a long time, but it's actually been a really hard message as I have prepared. The practicality of this message is just so rich, but it's also difficult to see because Jesus is is speaking here how or what kind of influence we will have upon this world. So let's look at what Jesus says, picking up in verse 13. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and we praise your holy name. Father, I pray that you would illuminate the pages today through the Holy Spirit, that may we may hear and understand that which you are speaking. Father, I pray that you would remove me and place me on the front row so that I may hear what you are speaking today and that I may as well walk in obedience of your truth. Father, thank you for your word. For your word will not return void. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You know, I I can't fathom what the disciples and the crowd was thinking. Jesus had just mentioned that blessed are the poor in spirit. 
He had just shared, blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are those who are humble. He, he mentioned, blessed are the, the pure in heart and the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. He then tells them that when you live that out by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be persecuted. You will hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be satisfied, but you will also be persecuted. But then he goes into verse 13 and he says, not only will you be persecuted, but you will impact the world. You will have an influence on the world. Now, I don't know about you, but, but if I was a disciple in that moment, I'd probably would be thinking, you really think that a poor in spirit, a humble person, a merciful person is going to have an impact in a world that is all about me, myself, and I? It's all about themselves. How will we have that kind of impact? And Jesus tells us, not only will you have an impact, but you're going to have a huge impact in this world. To illustrate this, Jesus brings about two household items for the people to see. He brings about salt, and he says that you are the salt of the earth, and he talks about light. He says you are the light of the world. So today we're just going to walk right through this passage, and we're going to look at what Jesus is saying in this moment. The first thing that we see is Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now, I want you to be very careful to see that this statement is for you and it's for me. It doesn't say that when you work up to some super Christian, then you'll be salt. What it says is, is that you are the salt of the earth. That's who you are. Now, I want you to think for a second. Salt has Many effects, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But what does salt need to do to have that effect on different things? Nothing. Because it's salt. That's who you are, church. Individually, that's who we are. That's who we are as the body of Christ, the salt of the earth. But individually, you are salt in this world. We'll see in a moment that for some of us, that salt is effective. And for some of us, it's lost It's saltiness. Now, when we say that you, as a born-again believer, one who is in Christ, one who is living out the Beatitudes by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we say that you are the salt of the world, it tells us the world's condition. The world's condition is that it's dead. The world's condition is that it's rotting away. The world's condition is that things that are dead and that are rotting away, they stink, right? Now, I wanted to, but I felt like y'all may get distracted. I wanted to bring a real dead fish today, but instead, I got a pillow fish. But I want you to imagine that this thing is dead and it's been sitting there for a few days. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, you know, like probably holding it away from me. Why? Because it would stink, right? It's gross. But church, can I tell you that that's how we often view the world. The world's dead, spiritually. The world's decaying, spiritually. And oftentimes, we say, oh, oh, look at the world. But Jesus calls us to be the salt 
of the world. So what does salt do? Well, many things. Let's look, and of course I brought a salt shaker. I do apologize to my bride if she was trying to use salt this morning. Um, But salt preserves. Salt helps to stop the decay. All right? You have, oh, I'm dropping the fish. You have dying, dead, decaying world. We have the salt of the earth. Church, this is who we are. But here's the problem. You cannot affect the world sitting in the salt shaker. And can I tell you that the salt shaker doesn't look like this. You know what it looks like? Buildings. It looks like a building on 2664 Solly Road. That's here. Looks like a building around, all around our city. Church, until we get outside of the church building, the church house, we can't affect and stop the decay that is taking place and prevent the decay in our culture. But let me just take this a little step further. How does that happen? How do we help prevent decay? Now, salt doesn't bring things back to life. If I put salt on that dead fish, it's not going to bring it back to life, but it can stop the decay. When you go, uh, as Brother Fred used to use the word, when people were at the water cooler at work, I still haven't figured what that out is, but he said people are at the water cooler and they'll be joking about things they don't need to joke, and then all of a sudden a Christian walks in. What happens usually? They stop. That is salt. The decay that was taking place in the mind of the people stopped simply because the salt of the earth came into the room. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever been around places where people were saying things, cursing, filthy talk, whatever, and then you walk in and all of a sudden people are quiet? Church, this is the salt of the earth. You don't even have to say anything, but salt prevents and helps slow down decay. Now, here's the problem. As I told you, salt must come outside of the salt shaker. And not only does it need to come outside the salt shaker, but it's got to go on the decay. And you know, in the the ancient times, to keep things uh, from decaying, they rubbed it deep into the decay, into the dead fish or dead meat or whatever you want to to use in this moment which means that we are not called church to isolate ourselves from the world we are not called to be like the world but we are called to go forth and to be the change agent in this world oftentimes oftentimes we think that that we need to Isolate from all those around. And that's the reason why I call this building the church house. Because we're the church. We're not called to isolate. We're called to be the salt in our community. The world wants to call this the church and tells us all to go get inside the salt shaker. But we are not called to do that. By God, we are called to go forth into our community. Now, can I tell you that oftentimes we complain about how the world is just going downhill fast? We complain about what we see. Oh, it's gotten worse. 
oh, I can't believe this sin and that sin, and we complain and we complain. But the reality of it is, is that we need to stop complaining and being salt. start being salt. Because the decay will not stop or slow down until we are in the world, but not of the world. Until we are living our life full of the Holy Spirit in this world. Can I tell you, though, that salt not only stops decay, but it also gives flavor. It also gives flavor. Think about this for a moment. Did you know that they make ketchup without salt? How many of y'all ever had ketchup without salt? It's terrible. It's terrible. Now, I understand some people need ketchup without salt, but it's not ketchup. I don't know what it is. It needs salt. Think about when you make your eggs and grits in the morning, right? It needs salt. It gives flavor. Church, the world is constantly looking for satisfaction, joy, and peace. They are looking for fulfillment. We have found that fulfillment. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Think about this for a moment. When you became a born-again believer, when Christ entered your life and you submitted to the Lordship of Christ, you then realized that all the things the world told you would bring about contentment and joy and peace was all a lie. And you kept working for those things in your fallen state, but now God has changed your life and you have truly found peace, fulfillment, and joy. Church, we must be showing the world that, that the salt that God has shown us, that we can taste and see that he is good, not walking around all the time like we drank pickle juice, as Brother Fred said, but to show the world that we have found true joy and peace and fulfillment. You know, salt also makes people thirsty. Salt makes people thirsty. Can I ask you this question today? Are people thirsty for the living water when they are around you outside of this building? Jesus said to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Church, When people are around you, do they begin to long for the true life-giving water of the Holy Spirit of God? You know, I was reminded when my son plays baseball, for some reason when you play baseball, you're just supposed to have sunflower seeds, right? I don't understand it. I don't get it. My son wants every flavor there is. But you know, every flavor, but probably one has a whole bunch of salt on it. And when you eat those sunflower seeds, what happens? You're longing for something to drink. You're longing for something to drink. There are a lot of people in the room nodding their heads. They get it. They understand. Church, when we are around the world, do they long for the drink of water that comes from Christ and Christ alone? This scripture goes on and says in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty? Again, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. Church, we are called not to lose our saltiness. 
He says, don't lose your saltiness. For if salt has lost its saltiness, you might as well throw it out and trample it underfoot. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I did look up that sodium, is it sodium chloride? Sodium chloride is salt, is that right? Sodium chloride, I was looking at our scientists in the room, um, and it's a pretty stable compound. So how does salt, if it's a stable compound, lose its saltiness? The only way is when it is overtaken by impurities. When impurities begin to overtake that, it loses its saltiness because there's so many impurities that are there. What is Jesus saying in this moment? But I believe that Jesus is saying that those who begin to call themselves a believer but are running with the, with the world have lost the saltiness. There's no change in them. They are projecting that they're one thing but living a totally different life. This is why in 1 John uh, it says this in verse 15. It says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the love lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, also is its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Church, this is why we pray, search me and know me, O Lord, and show me any evil way about me. This is why we examine our life to look for and let the Holy Spirit illuminate impurities in our life that is the flesh, that is keeping us back from being the salt of the earth that God has called us to be. Do we, are we okay with practicing sinfulness? When we allow the sins of this world just to be okay in our life, we have lost our saltiness. You know, I was reading, I believe it was Martin Lloyd-Jones. I didn't write it down in here. And Martin Lloyd-Jones made this statement. He said, you know, if you lose your saltiness, then you're no good to Christianity, right? If you're hot or cold, right? If you're lukewarm, God says he spews you out of the mouth. But if you've lost your saltiness, but you're claiming to be a Christian, you're also no good to the world because the world's like you're nothing like us. And now you're in this middle where it's good for nothing, which is what the Scripture speaks, doesn't it? Church, we must decide, as Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. Are we going to serve God or are we going to live like the world? And I praise God that many of you in this room, if not everybody in this room, have made that decision that they're going to follow Christ. And they're going to take it serious, not allowing the impurities of this world to come around them. If you're struggling with sins, lay those down before the throne of God today. Don't continue saying, hey, I'm a born-again believer, but I'm okay with sin. That's not scriptural. Fall on your face before holy God and lay that down before him today. He continues on in verse 14, and he says, not only is it salt, but he says in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. So, of course, I brought a light. Where's, where's Randy? I brought a light. You are the light of the world. Again, who is Jesus speaking to? Who is the light? We are. 
It's not that, hey, you got to be some super Christian. When Christ comes to know you, or when you come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, He comes to dwell within you, and the light of Christ is in you. We are the salt. We are the light of the world. Now, this also confronts the world situation. Salt shows us that the world is decaying. Now, this shows us that the world is in darkness. If we are the light of the world called to shine the light into the darkness, it tells us that the world is lost, dead, in darkness. Many scriptures that we could go to, but just looking at one in John 3, 19 through 20, it says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Now, I just want to be very clear. It says here that Jesus is the light, and those who come to the light, ultimately we see throughout this passage, there's more verses there, but we see that those who come to the light are truly born again. Those who don't are the ones who hide in the darkness, fear that their deeds will be exposed. But I want to tell you, there is no other light. There is no other light. It's interesting that we use in our culture that people need to be enlightened. They need to be enlightened. Knowledge is this incredible thing to enlighten people. Listen, knowledge is a good thing in a lot of ways. But I will tell you this, that knowledge outside of the light of Christ will never show you your true depravity, your true need for Jesus. Only the light of God will shine and show you that. Now the world and all of its enlightenment is still decaying. The world and all of its knowledge is still dead. But the light of Christ is the only light that shines, that shows the truth of the Word of God. So how are we the light? You know, I struggle with that at first because Jesus is the light, right? It says Jesus is the light. And then he says here in Matthew 5, you are the light. You are the light of the world. Well, how are we the light? We understand that it's because Christ has come to dwell within us. Let me just take a few scriptures here and show you. As we see in John 1, 9, Jesus speaks very clearly. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and though the world had made, was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Look also at James 1.17. It says that God is called the Father of light. And then we see in John 8.12, the I am statement of Jesus. Then Jesus speaks again to them. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we need to be very careful to recognize we're not the light unless we have the light in us. The light is Jesus. It's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In John 14, I believe it's 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit and how when he leaves, that the Helper would come. And in John 14, Jesus says this, that those who are in Christ, that he will come to dwell and make his abode within you. 
Specifically speaking, it says this in verse 23 of John 14. Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And, he, and we, who's we? The triune God, will come to him and make our abode within him. So how are we the light of the world? We're only the light of the world because the light of the world lives inside of us. He says, those who believe in my word, I will come, we will come and make our abode within them. I love what Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 8, it says, we are the light in Christ, in Christ Church, the only way that we can be the light of the world is if the light of the world dwells within you. So, the scripture tells us that you're the light of the world. And then it tells us we must shine your light. The scripture continues on. It says, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. So, we are called to shine the light. What does light do? Well, first it exposes. Light exposes the darkness. You know, it's not too hard for us. We don't even have to look at statistics to know that most crimes happen when? At night. Under the darkness. Because they don't want to be exposed by the sun, S-U-N, right? They don't want to be exposed by the light. We recognize that the light exposes the darkness. And Paul said in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 8 through 10, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Church, I'm here to tell you that the light exposes the deeds and the nature of of man. The heart of man, the nature of man is evil. They love the darkness because they don't want their deeds exposed. Let me give you a prime example. There's these people in the New Testament called the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees wanted a savior, right? And they were living out these religious laws, at least to their idea they were. And the Pharisees came in contact with the light. But they didn't like the light because the light shined on their heart. And it showed them that their deeds were evil. And so what did the Pharisees do? They're going to kill the light. They're going to crucify the light. So they sent Jesus, but really Jesus allowed this to take place to a cross to get rid of the light you want to know why the world's going to persecute us church because the light of christ exposes the heart of man 
The light of Christ exposes the heart of man. Now let me just kind of go back for a moment to the salt. The salt prevents decay. The light exposes the the decay. But not only does it expose the decay, but it also shows the path out of darkness. Not only does the light expose the decay, expose the lightness, expose the deeds, but it also shows the path out of the darkness. What is the path out of the darkness, church? It's the gospel. For the wages of sin is death. We've all been born into sin. We all are spiritually dead. The light of the world came, Jesus, and he went lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and praise God, he rose three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave. The light that is in us shows the world the path, the free gift of eternal life, that there is salvation found in no other but Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It shows the world that the new nature loves the light and hates the darkness. That doesn't mean that the new nature hates people. No, it hates the darkness. Now, I want to be very careful here to share with you this. If we're in the dark and I turn this light on, I really don't need to do this to anybody but Randy. Where is Randy? Is he here? He must be in the back. And if I turn this light on in the darkness and I shine it straight into his eyes, and I'm like, hey, do you see the light? Do you see the light? Do you see the light? He's like, yeah, I see the light. I see the light. But can he see the path, the direction? No. Church, there are times when we get so focused on particular sins that we're shining it straight in their eyes instead of showing them the path out of the darkness. There are times that we are not showing people the gospel, but instead we're showing them sanctification. But sanctification can't happen until there's a heart transformation, church. We must shine the light on the path. The light of Christ will show them in their heart their need for a transformation. The light that is shining will do a mighty work in the lives of those around us, church. But too often we take it on ourselves to come against a particular sin and shine it right in their eyes and say, all right, now follow me. And they're like, no, like I'm good. Like that's, I can't see. Church, we must recognize That not only does the light expose, but it also shows the path out of the darkness. But can I also tell you that there are churches, and this is difficult to say, but there are churches that have hidden the light. And God has called us not to hide the light. He's called us not to place it under a bushel. There was a lot of commentary that tried to figure out what the bushel was. It don't matter. If we're trying to hide the light, we have a problem. Can I tell you why churches today, and I hate to even use the word churches, are trying to hide the light? It's because 
they are, they're ultimately hiding the light because they don't want the darkness to be uncomfortable. And can I tell you what's happening to those churches? They ultimately waste away. Yeah, they may grow for a time, but as darkness feels comfortable within a local body, there's no life transformation, and people, there's not going to be unity in that body of Christ because unity only comes through the Holy Spirit. Church, these churches are, and, and individuals that hide the light to make darkness feel comfortable are like those in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It says that they are holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. See, Jesus told us, he said, don't let your salt become saltless or lose its saltiness. He says, don't hide your light under a bushel. In both situations, they're worthless. What is light that's hidden? It's not doing its purpose. What is salt that's lost its saltiness? It's uh, worthless. It's not doing its purpose. And if Jesus gives us two warnings that are ultimately the same warning, he's speaking it twice, we better listen, church. Are we letting the light of Christ shine through us? Are we compromising on the light? And when I say we, I'm talking individually. Do we look through here and say, oh, I don't really like that, and I don't really like this, so I'm going to take this piece and that piece. I tell you, at Luke 4, 18, we will never take a piece of this out. Because this is the light of Christ. This is the only thing that will shine and show, one, expose the fact that they're dead and decayed and decaying, but it also will show the world the path out of darkness and into the light. Church, this is why Jesus says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let it shine for all those around. And he tells us to let our light shine. And, and he's ultimately talking about two things. One, he's talking about our good deeds. He says, let your light shine in such a way that people will see your good deeds. We'll get to that one in just a second because I want to go to this one first. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 he says that we're also supposed to proclaim about this light. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, how do we, share the, how do we shine the light? We share the fact that I once was dead and now I'm alive. It's not, oh, let me tell you how wrong you are. I want to tell you I was dead. I was in need of a Savior. And praise God that he opened my eyes and he took me from darkness into his marvelous light. Would you like to know about this light? Can I share with you about the light of Christ? It's all Jesus. It's all him. So when we shine our light, church, we can't simply just say, well, it's got to be just my actions, just my actions. I don't have to say anything. No, we've got to share too. We've got to proclaim. The word proclaim. Proclaim to others. But then, it's also through our good works. 
I love this. Jesus tells us in the Gospels, and well, actually in the Epistles, he says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, just a few verses down from what we just looked at, says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the things that they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Jesus tells us that through our good deeds, it will be the light of Christ shining. Now let's be very careful here. Because we cannot do any good deeds apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from Christ. As I've read many times, and I've quoted many times, John 15, 5 says that when we abide in Christ, we bear fruit. And when we, can't, when we don't abide in Christ, we can do what? Nothing. See, here's what's interesting. In Matthew 5, Jesus is telling us that we shine the light of Christ when we're living out the character of, of the Beatitudes, and therefore fruit is coming forth from our life. See, Jesus also gives us a warning in Matthew 5, and he said, many will come to me on that day and say, look at all the deeds I did, and he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. This is why the Beatitudes are so important. When you are poor in spirit, when you're mourning over your sin, when you are humble, when you're merciful, when you're pure in heart, when you're a peacemaker, then the works coming forth from you will be that of the Holy Spirit. When you are living in Christ and the Beatitudes are coming forth from your life, the works that you do will be shown as that that came through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just simply doing good works. It's letting Christ do that in and through you. If we do good works, we're not shining the light. But if we, do, if we allow God to do works in and through us, then we're shining His light. You may say, well, David, how do you let God shine His light, do good works through you? Great question. We answer it every week. You abide. You dwell. You delight. When you abide... When you focus in and let God's word wash over you, when you're meditating upon his word, when you're asking him to give you the mind of Christ, yes, you may feel like, oh, well, in that moment I was able to do this. Well, you were able to do this, have patience, joy, peace, because you've been abiding as the Holy Spirit who's given you the strength, the ability to do that in that moment. See, church, when we abide, when we dwell, the deeds that come forth from our life is truly the fruit of the Spirit. So that's why we continue to go back to abiding, to dwelling, and delighting. But then Jesus kind of closes this portion up with this last idea, and it says that they will glorify your Father, or they'll glorify God who is in heaven. I love this, because it all goes back to Jesus, doesn't it? The only reason that the dead fish, the decay is being prevented is because of Jesus has allowed us to be the salt of the earth. 
The only reason that deeds are being exposed is because Jesus, the light of the world, came and changed our life, came and dwelled within us, and is now shining His light in and through us. The only reason that we can proclaim that I once was in darkness and now I've come to His marvelous light is because of what Jesus has done in our life. The only reason that our deeds can take place and shine the light of Christ is because of the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us. I love this. All glory, all honor, and all praise is due to none other but Jesus Christ and what he is doing in and through our life. Say, David, I don't like how when I go into a room, everybody looks at me different because I'm a born-again believer. Let me just tell you, they're looking at Christ. They're seeing the light of the world. Say, but, but David, this is, this is tough. Like Sometimes I feel like I do it in my own power, my own strength. No, we must recognize that we must abide and God is doing this in and through us. The enemy wants us to become prideful. When somebody hears something of the word of God in a message on a Sunday morning, it's not me, it's God's word. I'm just a vessel. We're just a vessel. Allowing the light of Christ to shine in and through us. And so I close by taking you to this verse in John 3, 21. It says this as Jesus was talking about the light. It says this in John 3, verse 21. I think they'll have it up on the screen. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest as having been brought, wrought or brought forth in God. Church, those who come to the light, they, their deeds may be manifest in a way that people see that those deeds are from God. And so they can only glorify one thing, and that's God. One person, that's God. Church, we must never try or take a moment of God's glory. Everything that is good, that is coming forth from us, is because of His grace, His mercy. It's because of his love. It's because of what he has done for us, church. And so we must realize that the reason we're salt, the reason that we're light, is because of Christ and Christ alone. And we want nothing more than to bring glory to his name. So we close by asking this question, church. Does the way that you live your life bring glory to the name of Jesus? Are we different than the world? Are we just like them? Do we compromise the light because we want darkness to feel comfortable? Or do we let the light shine through us? How do we look at the lost, dead, decaying world? Do we look at it as gross and I don't want to be a anything like get away from me or do we say the only way that the decay is going to be slowed down is if the salt is rubbed deep into that dead meat are you the salt of the earth are you the light of the world you can only answer yes to that is if you are in Christ Christ